Would you open God's precious holy word to 2 Kings chapter 3. To be reminded, the ministry of Elisha is defined by 17 miracles that are recorded in the scriptures. There are some things we should be mindful of as we think about the ministry of Elisha. He follows Elijah. Yahweh has identified supernaturally Elisha as Elijah's replacement prophet. Elisha is ministering to every level of the culture, the society, the nation where he ministers, which is namely the northern kingdom of Israel. The focus in the particular part that we're looking at now and for the next few weeks In 2 Kings, in this, these chapters, details an account that is not found in 2 Chronicles. And so that's why we're focused here just on what is only found in 2 Kings. Then it comes back together in a few weeks like it has been for much of our study so far. This is the fourth miracle. We saw the first three miracles last time, but we should take note that the miracles that are performed by Elisha are are miracles that are performed in various ways to various levels of the society. Some are performed with an, with an interaction between Elisha and just common folks. We already saw, for example, last time <clears throat> how his miracles were in the presence of the prophets, the sons of, the pro- the sons of prophets. So those who are hiding in the caves and prophesying in the name of the Lord have been strengthened by noting that Elisha has the same blessing of Yahweh on his life that Elijah had. They were were present when uh, some of the miraculous power displayed by Elisha uh, was seen. So this gave them strength, and they knew that Elisha was the man of God for that time. Then, of course, the ministry of Elisha, Yahweh proving that Elisha is his prophet through these miracles, also tells us that even though the northern kingdom of Israel is deep in sin and they're led by sinful kings, 
They are in the clutches of idolatry. And even though the demise of the northern kingdom comes decades and decades before the southern kingdom's demise, we still are to note here that they were not without a man of God, the message of God. So the miracles will be seen tonight, for example, we're going to study. Uh, this miracle is in the presence of kings. These are, these are kings of, of, the, of the time, the northern kingdom king, the southern kingdom king, the king of Moab, and I think the Elamite king as well. So what Elisha does reaches to the heights of, uh, of power, of earthly power in that time. He was with the hiding prophets last time. They were strengthened by the ministry of Elisha. Next time we will see when we get into chapter four that his miracles will have gone from the lofty presence of kings to the somewhat private ministry to a widow who has a tremendous need. And, and so his, his, his miracles are, are reaching at every level in ministering to the, to the northern kingdom. So then let's look then at the fourth miracle of Elisha a miracle that's called the miracle of the valley of the ditches. This is in Second <laughs> Kings chapter 3. Consider the background first of all. <clears throat> Jehoram son of Ahab reigned over Israel in Samaria in the 18th year of Jehoshaphat king of Judah. He reigned 12 years. So Jehoshaphat is a, is a good king, generally speaking. One of the things that he can't seem to shake in his life is his desire to be friends with the king of the northern kingdom, Ahab and now his son, when he doesn't really have to because he is so much more powerful and his, his nation, his kingdom is so much more powerful. Uh, some who study this believe that he had a heart of trying his best to reconcile and to maintain reconciliation between those tribes of the northern kingdom and Judah and Benjamin of uh, the southern kingdom. So here, uh, he's put in the same context with Jehoram and Jehoram did what was bad in the eyes of Yahweh. This, the, the sin of people in general and in this context, the sins of national leaders, people who have positions that influence everybody else around them. Of course, Yahweh sees this, he knows, and he knows the sins of Jehoram. He also, it's, it's noted here that uh, Sin in the lives of people 
can come in certain degrees and takes note here saying, however, he didn't do as evil as his father and mother, namely Ahab and Jezebel. And he removed the monument of the Baal that his father had made. So that was kind of a good thing, but he did not forsake the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who had introduced all of this idolatry to the people way back at the inauguration of the northern kingdom of Israel. Again, stating of Jeroboam, who had been dead a long time now, he caused Israel to sin and he clung to those sins. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam. He did not come against the idolatry that existed, the worship of the, of the Baalim. Um, he didn't banish it from his court. He didn't delineate the false, prof, the false worship of his people uh, in contrast to the true worship of Yahweh at the temple in Jerusalem. He just, he just didn't do right. He did not turn away from the sins of Jeroboam. So therefore, the northern kingdom continues in its way and in its drift. As a matter of fact, by the time we get to the end of 2 Kings, we will see the fall of the northern kingdom. Second Chronicles continues for a while, but, and the southern kingdom lasts a little longer. But the northern kingdom will collapse. They, they never turn away from this sinful way, even though Yahweh sent them prophets. And in this case, a very powerful prophet, Elisha, who is performing these miracles that all of the people would have known about. So he's, <clears throat> this uh, Jehoram still followed in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and he did not turn away from those sinful ways. Now, Misha, the king of Moab, was a sheep man. And he would repeatedly pay tribute to the king of Israel, 100,000 lambs and 100,000 rams with their wool. And it was that when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. The Moabites were not only desperately wicked people, they were a vicious people. They were a warrior people. Ahab and the strength of his nation had kept them in subjection all the years of his reign as king. But now with his son coming to the throne, the Moabite king senses weakness and senses that it's a good time for him to rebel and stop paying the tribute. Well, in the, in the uh, economy of the day, if he's allowed to do this, it indeed demonstrates wicked, uh, weakness, but it also uh, would have a negative effect on the economy of the northern kingdom. So, and it was that when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. Now, King Jehoram went out of Samaria on that day and counted all of Israel. So he counted up his troops. And he went and called Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, saying, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to war 
against Moab. And he said, I will go up. I will be like you, my people, like your people, my horses, like your horses. Now, the southern kingdom, as I stated earlier, was much stronger than the northern kingdom. The military was much stronger. You and I have studied in the overall study of Jehoshaphat, for example, how he had built up these sentinel cities. Uh, he had built up his military presence, even on the outward parts of his kingdom. And uh, because he was a good king and because he had a sensible mind and cared for the people, the economy was strong. And so that made the treasury strong. So it's a, it's a strong nation economically and it's a strong nation militarily. And the northern kingdom doesn't compare at that point in time to the might of the southern kingdom. So Jehoram knew Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat sided with Ahab. You may remember that. Uh, and a prophet came and scolded him for it. And you wonder, what's this guy thinking? Why, why does he feel obliged to be on the side of, of a king who is openly wicked and rejects the ways of God. And again, I say that the best thoughts are that he had a heart for reconciliation for the northern, for the northern tribes. And as, as he was king, it would be apparently his policy to try to maintain an alliance and a friendship with his kindred to the north in the northern kingdom as much as possible. So he says, sure, you consider my army your army. My people are your people. Let's do it. Okay, so next note the urgency of the miracle here. And he said, by which road shall we go up? And he said, by way of the desert of Edom. This is going to bring in the king of Edom, you see. And the king of Israel and the king of Judah and the king of Edom went. And they went around a journey of seven days. And there was no water for the camp or for the animals that were with them. So this presents the problem, the urgency. All of the animals, all of the soldiers moving into a desert area where there's no water. How are they going to, how are they going to deal with this? This is, a, this is a dire emergency. The king of Israel said, alas, for Yahweh has called these three kings to deliver them into the hands of Moab. In other words, we three kings... And our armies are going to fall in defeat to the Moabite king. Jehoshaphat said. Now, if we go back, we'll note that he went to Jehoshaphat, that is Jehoram. He went to Jehoshaphat without consulting Yahweh. Now, David never did that. David always consulted Yahweh. Uh, Solomon consulted Yahweh when it came time, if the time came, to confront an enemy. But it was not in the design of the mindset or worldview of the northern kings to consult the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, the God of Israel. So he just makes up his own mind and just goes to the king. Now, Jehoshaphat expresses and reveals here a more spiritual approach. They have a dire emergency we're, we're ready to go to war, but we can't go very far without water for all these men and horses and, and camels or whatever else. Joshua said, 
Is there no prophet of Yahweh here that we may inquire of Yahweh through him? Let's go to the Lord. Let's find the prophet of the Lord. And one of the king of Israel's servants answered, Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who poured water on Elijah's hands. Jehoshaphat said, The word of Yahweh is with him. The king of Israel and the king and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. So we're going to starve to death. We're not going to have enough water. Our men are going to be too weak. And we're not going to be able to go into battle with strong animals because there's no water. Let's take this problem to the Lord. Now notice the discrimination within the miracle. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do I have to do with you? Go to your father's prophets and to your mother's prophets. In other words, you're a Baal worshiper. Go to the, go to the prophets of Baal. I don't have anything to do with you. And the king of Israel said to him, don't say that. For Yahweh has summoned these three kings to deliver them into the hands of Moab. And Elisha said, as Yahweh Tabat, as the Yahweh of armies, of hosts, of armies, before whom I have stood lives, for were it not that I respect Jehoshaphat king of Judah, I would neither look at you, nor would I see you. So you see what the prophet says. I am before the God of all armies, the God of hosts. I don't care for you and I don't care for the king of Edom, but I do care for Jehoshaphat. And the fact that he's here, the fact that I respect him, brings me into this thing. He's the only reason that I'm going to go in your behalf before Yahweh. Now, the southern kingdom carries the promise of the Christ. That's an important thing to remember. Jehoshaphat is the son of David. The Davidic line will finally give to the world the Christ of God and the king of kings. And the, and the, the kingdom of Judah carries with it and protects the promise of the Christ. All right, so what is the requirement then of the miracle? I want to hear some gospel music. Isn't that strange? No, that's good. I know, that's good. Most of the nights I like to end my nights listening to something on YouTube from somebody that I sort of like and they're singing praises to the Lord. Fetch me a musician. Now the word in the Hebrew uh, means a harpist. So it could be someone who just will play the harp or someone who will play the harp and accompany himself on the harp as he sings. Could be either way, but it involves a harp. And it was that when the musician played, the hand of Yahweh came upon him. That's nice. The importance of the ministry of, uh, of music. We had a, I, I, I think I talked about Sam Cathy not long ago. How he, he, he wanted me to come and um, provide security at one of the convention meetings so that the uh, 
guy controlling the microphone wouldn't get beat up by liberals. He came and preached a, he preached a, a, a revival for us. When he came, he asked, his, his, big, his big thing then was demons, study demons, to study demonic power, how to resist uh, powers of darkness and so forth. And uh, he, was, he, was an, he didn't mean to be entertaining, but he was kind of entertaining to watch because he was skinny and wiry and he talked fast, he walked fast, everything he said was just kind of funny. Um, but one of the things he said, if you want to get rid of demons, <laughs> that's what he said, play Southern gospel music. That's what he said. Say, so, gotta be Southern gospel now. Can you play Southern gospel music? You're driving along in your car. You turn on Southern gospel music. You sit at home, turn on Southern gospel music. Demons won't get to you if you're playing Southern gospel music. Okay. Well, it probably was before the cathedrals had disbanded <laughs> because they, they were about, <laughs> they started back about that time. But when this sweet music of praise, and I'm sure it was Psalms from David, when the sweet music of praise came into the presence of Elisha, the prophet, the hand of Yahweh came upon him. So here's the test. And he said, so has Yahweh said, this valley will be made full of pools. This is a desert. They don't have any water. This valley is going to be full of pools. For so has Yahweh said, you shall not see wind Neither shall you see rain, yet that valley will be filled with water. And you and your cattle and your beasts shall drink. Wow. The musician played sweetly. The hand of Yahweh descended upon the prophet, and the prophet prophesied. It is good news for you. Yahweh will provide water without rain and there'll be more than enough for you and all of your beasts and all of your men to drink. So what about that miracle? This, this will be slight in the eyes of Yahweh. He will deliver Moab into your hands. This is a simple thing for Yahweh to do. And you will strike every fortified city and every choice city and you shall fell every good tree and you shall stop up all the springs of water and you shall clutter every good field with stones. This is going to, this is going to create, this is like psychological warfare. Yahweh can send us into battle. It's like the return of Christ. All of the blood of the enemy at Armageddon spills. The flesh melts. And a river of blood runs as high as a horse's bridle. 
And it is only by the word of God, like a sharp two-edged sword that proceeds from the king of kings. And there we are on our white horses following him from heaven, the saints and the angels. And I have no idea how we will be armed. So we'll have seven years to practice. My guess is it won't be that way, but it sort of makes me feel good to know that he'd give me something to shoot. But before I can rack the slide or pull the bolt back, they're all dead. And not a single one of them fired a shot at me because the brilliant appearance of Christ caused them to die. Wars were won, battles were won and turned around because of the way God led his people, the power of God. Uh, one angel, you remember one night, 185,000 of the enemy just were killed by one angel as he delivered Jerusalem in the time of Hezekiah. Well, here we go. I want you to do this. Chop down the tree, do all this stuff, stop springs of water, and clutter every good field with stones. Now note the timing of the miracle. Of course, God's always on time. And it was in the morning when the meal offering was offered up. Now that would have been back in Jerusalem. But it was at a time when God was receiving the worship of his people and responding to it. That behold, water was coming from the road of Edom and the land became filled with water. And all the Moabites heard that the kings had come up to wage war with them and they assembled Everyone old enough to gird a sword and older, and they stood at the border. And they arose early in the morning when the sun shone on the water, and the Moabites saw the water from a distance red as blood. It looked like, it looked like a sea of spilled blood from their perspective when the sun shined on the water early that morning. They said, this is blood. The kings have fought with each other and they've killed each other. And now to the spoils, Moab. And they came to the Israelites' camp. And the Israelites arose and struck the Moabites. And they fled from before them and they attacked them and slew the Moabites. And they demolished the cities. And each one threw his stone on every fertile field and filled it up. And they stopped up every water spring and they felled every good tree until they left over its stones only in Kerharashet. And the catapultists, the slingers, the, the, that's the ones that would sling, surrounded it and struck it. And the king of Moab saw that the men of war were stronger than he. And he took with him 700 men who drew their swords to break a way to the king of Edom but they weren't able to do so. And he took his firstborn who would reign after him and he brought him up for a burnt offering on the wall. What a guy. There was great wrath upon Israel. And they withdrew from him and returned to the land. So, Israel, there's a victory here 
But there's also a warning to Israel about the folly of offering sacrifices even to the point that they were doing so in Moab to offer human sacrifices. Now to look back on the whole story, the story is about the miracle of Elisha and the power of God to deliver his people as he saw fit, but to do so through the power of the ministry of his prophet, Elisha, so that water came without rain. There was enough water for everything that was, that was needed. But there was also a great message of warning about what happens ultimately in the worship of false gods and sacrifice idolatry, even human sacrifice. A man takes his son who was to assume the throne, offered him up. Well, we'll stop there and uh, we'll pick up there next time. We'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.